Before we get started, After the Monuments is proud to receive support from VCU Massey Cancer Center. Massey Cancer Center wants you to imagine a future without cancer. All it takes is one, a revolutionary idea, a promising clinical trial, or a new breakthrough. See how Massey is developing new approaches to prevent and treat cancer for every person in every community. Learn more about this future for everyone at MasseyCancerCenter.org. Before we get started, After the Monuments is proud to thank Team Henry Enterprises for their support of our show. Team Henry Enterprises is a black-owned contracting firm specializing in office, retail, medical, multifamily, and higher education construction of all scopes and sizes. In the wake of the George Floyd protest, Team Henry is the very firm contracted by the city of Richmond to take down the Confederate monuments in Richmond and by many other municipalities to remove other Confederate monuments around Virginia and throughout the Southeast. Learn more about Team Henry and how they can help your community rebuild, renovate, or design at TeamHenryENT.com. I'm Kelly Lemon. And I'm Michael Paul Williams. And welcome to the After the Monuments podcast, where we look at events and news about race in a historical context and see how, too often, history repeats itself. Hello and welcome to the After the Monuments podcast, a real talk about race with Michael Paul Williams and Kelly Lemon. My name is Matt Pacilli. I'm in for Kelly Lemon. You normally don't hear my name until the end credits. If you do stick around, I'm off camera and helping make some of this happen. But Kelly is out of town today, and we wanted to get into the feed and get into the conversation as as quickly and as respectfully as we could, Michael Paul, about the mass shooting that we experienced over the weekend in Buffalo. We have friends up there at the Buffalo News who do excellent reporting and would be covering this event. But in uh, the context of our program, wanted to talk about that. Tell us a little bit about what your processing has been so far. Well, obviously, um, and any conversation about this sort of tragedy, this sort of horrific mass murder, um, needs to begin with an acknowledgement of the victims. Um, it's, it's just unimaginable. It's an assault, not just on the victims themselves, but an entire community and an entire city. So there is that. Um, just personally, um, as an African-American, uh, these events, which have become a sad ritual in our country, um, is triggering um, to me and, and, and people who look like me who um, have this sort of um, racial horror kind of ingrained in our DNA. I mean, just history has placed it there. Um, it's the saddest sort of commentary on our times. Uh, this unfortunate collision of technology in the form of the Internet and the way it makes hate, bigotry, um, and violence and weapons of mass destruction um, easily accessible. And the political moment we're in, um, where an entire political party, as part of its brand, um, has brought into a toxic level of white supremacy that is promoting this sort of thing, um, aided and abetted by um, a television news network whose most popular host, Tucker Carlson, has made replacement theory a staple of his programming. 
So what we've allowed to happen is for this level of hate that marginalizes entire communities, be they black, be they Asian, be they Latino, be they Muslim, be they Jewish, um, marginalizes entire communities and places them at risk with this sort of rhetoric. And it's got to stop. Uh, I've got no easy answers, but uh, I'm old enough to remember when there was a level of um, respectability and shame and people in, in daylight did not trade in this sort of hatred and bigotry and nonsense. And that shame seems to have been stripped away. And it's, it's gone mainstream, and it's got to stop. Um, we've got to find ways to police the Internet um, in a way that um, uh, eliminates some of the opportunities that were at work here, be it the live streaming or the access to the hateful material. And um, this is on the entire electorate. We've got to reject the elevation and election of people who trade in this sort of hatred and bigotry and violence and, 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 and incitement of violence. And if we don't do that, that's on us. There were, it seems, a couple of, and you might have touched on it here, a couple of warning signs, if you will. And this, was al this is always a thing that is brought up when this type of thing, a mass shooting, happens. The, the first warning sign having been during his high school, the gunman's high school prom or senior project had written a paper about killing a large number of people. And the, the, the second one having been what you talked about, policing the Internet and warning signs that we saw before the January 6th insurrection of pent-up people in their homes being radicalized by things on the Internet. How do we start to put some of those warning signs or practices into place? How is it that when this individual writes that paper in high school and is then, uh, I, I think, at least interviewed by police or experiences as some police presence, how is it that his name is not reported to anywhere saying, do not let this individual buy a, a gun, a weapon, anything like this? And then when is it and how is it that, that we put some level of practice into place of, hey, people are frustrated, but they're seeing these things online? And how, how, I, I'm left with more questions than answers. Yeah. And Well, I mean, so am I. It Everything you just spoke of speaks to how normalized both gun violence and white supremacy um, have become in this country. White supremacy, mm -hmm. like I can't get over that. Yeah, it's 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 mainstreamed and normalized to the point that it does not sound enough alarms. And um, black communities are over policed, and in situations like this, it seems like people are being under policed. Um, who do not look like me. And it once again bears noting that um, we have um, people of color who, um, during traffic stops or, or in routine interactions with police, 
end up dead. And once again, um, we have um, a mass murderer who somehow gets apprehended alive. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that baffles me. Um, They managed to um, de-escalate the situation to the point where he could be taken alive. Well, uh, and, that, if this, and if this person were black, he's dead. I, I, I think so. But, but it, be that as it may, it shows that it can be done. Mm-hmm. It can be done. I mean, I mean the excuse that's often rendered um, when um, a police encounter goes sideways is, well, he didn't submit. He, you know, the police officer felt um, his life in danger. Well, there was every bit of reason for a police officer in this situation to feel their life in danger. But somehow they worked through that. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, I don't, I don't hate that, that people are apprehended alive. I just want it to be uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, I, I can't. I've also got to note that here's an 18-year-old. I mean, what is happening with America when 18-year-olds and, and teenagers and we— you know, have Dylan Roof and not too far distant past are in, in are, are radicalized and indoctrinated in this way and, 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 and managed to gain access to this weaponry. And, 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 you know, what do you know when you're 18 that, you know, what mm-hmm. has been your life experience? What, you know, that you can do something like this or even think this way. Yeah. It, in the 21st century, it, it, we, we really need to look at this and, and figure out what is, what's, what is going on with our education system. What is it environmental? What's happening with the Internet? Um, the political discourse, of course, is not helping at all. It's, it's, it's inciting this. Um, this, this. This is toxic to the point that, to me, it represents an existential threat to our way of life. And we've got to do something about this. It can't be yet another moment. Um, we saw the slaughter of children, little children, first and second graders in Connecticut, and we did nothing. So, you know, you think if we did nothing, then we will never do anything, certainly where people of color are concerned. But we've got to do something. This is, this is a crisis. And um, it's not normal. If this is what we consider normal, something's wrong. What was, an, an, another level of, of alarm and concern for me was in the article that I was reading where it identified the grocery store or grocery stores as soft targets and being a place that, at least as I interpreted that, that were, there's not, going to, not likely to be a security guard and is going to be a place that you could just walk into I, my friendly neighborhood Kroger I never see any security right and um, you know people getting bread and milk and essentials should not be facing uh, a threat to their life it, it's just it's just wrong and um, you know it should this this should strike a sense of horror and revulsion in the hearts of all Americans. This can't be a situation where we go off into our separate political silos and, 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 and try to excuse it away. I'm, I'm glad you said that about all Americans, because I, 
I know that in, in conversations that you and Kelly have had, you have talked about scenarios where as a black American, you feel like you need to answer for the actions of one black American and that all black Americans are grouped together. And I've known that behind the camera as a, as a white American, I don't feel any connection to someone who's the shooter. And whereas in other various situations, you all do. And I appreciate your point that we should all carry this in our hearts. And, and, and another, another point that I had on here is that this individual traveled three hours from Conklin, New York, which I, I grew up in upstate New York. I grew up in Ithaca, New York, and my father grew up in the Southern Tier, which is where the shooter was from. My aunt and uncle live in that town. And then he went to Buffalo, which I went to college 60 miles south of Buffalo. But where I went to college, there was nothing. And Buffalo was the largest area nearby. There are a lot of hurting communities, not just, um, which is not to diminish the, the, the pain and the suffering of the victims and the victims' families. There are a lot of people who are now sort of implicated in some way in this. How do we experience this in our togetherness? Well, I experience it by dint of ethnicity. You are experiencing it by dint of proximity, family proximity. We've got to reach a point as a nation where we all take this personally because we should. Yeah. How do I or someone like me begin to make that step? Do you, do you have an idea? I, I don't know if you can teach empathy, but it requires empathy um, to feel um, what communities under assault feel. Um, it requires education on the history that's involved here. Uh, the very sad and tragic history of violent white supremacy in this country that it seems like people want to sweep under the rug, including um, too many elected officials. Mm. Um, the influence of talk show hosts who peddle this sort of incitement um, to high ratings, uh, we've got to reject all that. Uh, we've got to wake up. Uh, this isn't a game. Um, it shows how guns and white supremacy in tandem represent not only a threat to the affected communities, but to our nation. Um, I view this as all part and parcel of the assault on democracy in general. Um, we got to get a handle on this. 
um, before it's too late. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Anything else to add about this uh, just, horrific event? Just um, my condolences um, uh, to all of the, the families and the community involved. It, it's just a horrible, horrible thing. Um, you know, thoughts and prayers have been abused so much. Um, it's become a cliche, but um, and just, um, you know, people want action. They want results. Mm. They, they want tangible collective action uh, to stop this. You've been listening to After the Monuments, a real talk about race with Michael Paul Williams and Kelly Lemon. I'm Matt Pacilli. Kelly Lemon will be back. We'll be back with our original scheduled program next week. Thanks for listening. After the Monuments is a Virginia Video Network production and produced by Matt Pacilli, Michael Paul Williams, and me, Kelly Lemon. Technical direction and editing from Bill Barksdale, executive production from Paul Farrell, Diane Salvatore, and Paige Mudd. Will Royer provides studio support. Our artwork is by Krishna Mathis. I'm Kelly Lemon, and we'll see you next week on After the Monuments. Huge thanks to Massey Cancer Center for being our After the Monuments sponsor.